Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Dustin Box. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. All right, you guys ready for a word? Good. I feel I'm not used to this podium this high. The one that I've been preaching with is really low. So it feels like, oh man. My, my, oh, wow. <laughs> Somebody's going to need to escort Tim out of the building so that I can preach this morning. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's do this. You know, we have conference coming up this, this week. How many of you guys are excited? Tenacious love. Um, I, the, the word, we're going to get into it in just a minute. But you know what's interesting is, you know, we have this thing called conferences, right? We do like a one in the spring. We have like a May conference usually. And we have the Tenacious Love, which has been, uh, how many years have we been doing Tenacious Love now? Six, six, seven years. It's, it's wild. Seven years. I heard of seven. Um, it's interesting that conferences for us, if you have the right mindset, fit in a very similar vein as, as feasts and festivals for the Jewish calendar. The, the timing is totally different, but the context and the purpose is really the same. I've had people ask me, like, why do we make such an effort to have a huge conference? You know, bring in speakers, we take time off from work, hopefully. And it's interesting, you know, when you go back and you reread some of the Old Testament and the way that God sort of instituted festivals and feasts is there is this discipline around regular, the regular rhythm of pulling away from your, your routine in life, taking time off from work, taking time with your family to pull away and actually gather together as a community to seek God's face, to celebrate his goodness, to take time to encounter him in deeper ways. And um, it's the, there's like this part of me that like sometimes I hear people like, oh, I don't really like that speaker. I'm not going to be there. You know, like that kind of stuff. Or sometimes it's like worship. You know, I don't know. I come from California, man. There's a lot of really picky people out here. That's not you guys. You guys are, are wonderful people. And, and it always like makes me sad because I'm like, oh, you don't understand the purpose. The purpose isn't to come and hear a speaker. The purpose is that we're pulling our life away from the regular routine so that we can take a concentrated moment to seek God's presence and actually encounter him as a community in a deeper and deeper way. Every time you get together, there's like these moments where you see God and you see him more clearly. Second Corinthians, right? 3.18. How do you guys know this verse? But we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God as a mirror, seeing the image that we are becoming from glory to glory to glory to glory. There's this thing where we, we, we pull our lives away. As a youth pastor, it was youth camp. You know, we had, we had like revival camp just coming up. It's a very similar purpose where you pull yourself away from your regular routine to say, I'm here to seek God's presence. And I'm telling you, every time he shows up, every time he shows up. So... I'm just saying, today, I actually want to teach a little bit on encounter. The, the reason why we would, be, we would be doing this, the reason we would take time away to seek God's face in this way, our relationship with God has to be more than just a verse that you read or your quiet time in the morning. Our relationship with God has to be more than just rules or a good way to, to parent, a good way to be a spouse, a good way to, to be a businessman, a reputable person in community. When you take Christianity and you separate it from encounters, really what you're doing is creating moralism. 
which is a bunch of rules that cause you to live in a moral and upstanding way, but it's completely void of the depth and the transformation that is possible when you encounter God's presence. You know, I, it, it's not that the point isn't to just like roll around on the floor, right? The point isn't to get the shakes, Holy Rollers. Come on, you guys. Quakers. Uh, listen, you understand the Quakers were named the Quakers because they would shake when they prayed? Like, that's the actual name. Like, that's where the name of that, you know. And can you imagine, like, that group of people now completely void of encounter? My challenge is it's not about a demonstration or a manifestation per se. It's about that you have stepped into this place that says, God, I'm here to seek your face. It's you and you alone I'm here to see. It's your glory. Could you imagine you live your entire life and you get to heaven and you're like, wow, I'm just now meeting you for the first time. You live your entire life serving a God that you never knew. Guys, the point of why we gather, the point of church, the point of Christianity is that we actually come face to face with God. That we actually are, are, are training ourselves. We're, we're diligent. And do you understand his promise to you is that he will meet you? See, this is the trick. When I was young, I grew up in a very like charismatic, Pentecostal sort of like crazy church, you know. I grew up as a missionary kid in Africa. And, um, you know, it was wild. Absolute renewal hit out there in the 90s when I was there. And we were in like a soccer stadium, right? Like almost 3,000 people gathering. And people would like shake and fall on cement risers and nobody got hurt. I mean, it was, it was wild. I mean, it was like really, really crazy. I still like don't understand how it all worked, you know? Um, and, and yet, and yet I grew up with this perspective that God was at a distance still, that these moments of encounter was this sort of impersonable, like, fog <laughs> that would, like, come in. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like the mist of God's presence, and you get to feel it and experience it, and yet you don't know him. My, my, my heart for you guys this morning is that you begin to see in Scripture, we're going to look at a bunch of verses this morning. My heart is that you actually understand that fundamentally God is in a desperate pursuit of you. And it's not, it's not just something we say, that he's actually interested in face-to-face -face relationship with you. And that your maturity as a believer is hinged on your capacity to see him face-to-face. -face. Some of you guys are like, what? I'm going to get there. You guys trust me? Yeah? Awesome. All right. One of the things... Um, you know, when we, we talk about like when I was a, when I was a kid, I still remember this. Um, how do you guys remember like Morningstar, Don Potter, like way back in the 90s? Come on. There's, there's an album that we, when my parents came back on a furlough um, on a trip, and uh, they brought back a VHS of a Morningstar conference. And we didn't have any albums, okay? So what my dad did was he hooked up our tape player to the VCR, and then played it and then recorded a, a cassette tape from the VHS so that we could listen to it in the car. I'm so genius. Thank you, Dad, if you're watching. Just want to say. <laughs> and uh, I, remember, I remember being in the van one day. We were driving. Uh, Nairobi's a really, really huge city, so we'd be in the car for, for long, long treks, you know, through the city. And I remember driving one day 
And we're, we're listening to this album and the song comes on and Don Potter's like raspy voice, you know, show me your face, God. You know, right, you guys know? And I'm, I'm sitting there in the van and the song comes on and I'm like, oh, I was like probably 16 and I'm getting choked up because like everything shifted. And I'm like, I'm kind of fighting back tears and I'm feeling super embarrassed, you know, as I'm a 16 year old, you know? I'm like, why would I cry, you know? So I'm sitting there like, and I look over and my dad's driving the van, eyes straight forward, tears streaming down his face. And it was in this moment that there was something that shifted in my heart. It was like, I can't, I can't just exist following a rule book. Like this is, this would be such a waste of my life. There's, there's something about the face of God. Of course, then after that, then my dad gave me the book, uh, God Chasers by Tommy Tenney. Do you know what I'm saying? Dude, that, that wrecked me. That wrecked me for normal church. We got to move on, kind of. There's something about a face-to-face encounter. When my kids, again, this is intro. We're going to get into verses in a second. Dude, I have so many verses, trust me. There's so many. <laughs> How many? So many. When my, when my kids were little, I used to do this thing with them. We, we'd put him to bed. Um, it started when Tristan was like, I mean, basically when he started sleeping on his own. And I would grab them, their, their face, right? Because, you know, they're like looking all over the place. So you have to hold them, <laughs> you know? He'd grab him, and, and Tristan had really, really big, squeezy cheeks. Not so much anymore. But he did. They were just like, oh, and he had like, like big, fluffy hair, just, you know? It's like, and he would grab him, he's just like looking all over the place. And I grab him, and I look him right in the eyes, and I say, Tristan. He's like, <gasps> I'm like, look in my eye, right here, look in my eye. Hey, you can look, and I'm like, I love you. And then I'd, he'd be like looking around, and I'm proud of you. Tristan, you make me happy. And I did it because I had heard this lesson in psychology before that. And so it was just kind of a, kind of a thing I did. And I, I kept doing it. I kept doing it, doing it with all the kids, you know, as they get older. And then as I've gotten older, <laughs> you start doing more research and you start realizing this is what we're going to talk about today. There is this component of your brain that gets ignited when you see the joy that someone has for you. That there's an actual dedicated neural pathway in your brain that fires the moment it sees someone give you a joyful, engaged expression. You guys have all experienced this. Somebody comes walking into the office or into your house or something, and they look at you, and they give you that look that says, I'm excited to see you. And what happens inside? There's this thing that fires. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You get excited. There's this actual, like, that is this place. It's actually the core of who you are. Did you know that? It's rooted in your capacity for joy. It's this dedicated pathway in your brain that is joy. Joy is not the feelings of happiness or laughter. Joy is this fundamental understanding that someone has pleasure in being with you. Do you hear me? Joy 
is this fundamental understanding that Tim is excited to be with me. That is actual joy. And your capacity to understand that, experience that, and hold that is the key for your brain, your brain's ability to move from shame back to your core identity, from anger back to your core identity, from depression back to your core identity. It is rooted in your development, your brain's development with this thing of joy. Children that are separated from their parents or don't have healthy interactions with their parents struggle with their ability to move from an emotional experience of depression or anger. They don't know how to regulate themselves back to their core identity. And joy is the circuit that allows them to do that. And the way that that joy circuit gets healed and instituted is through eye contact and seeing the light of someone's face. Your capacity for maturity is linked to your ability to see the light of someone's face. Show me your face, God. Your ability to grow as a believer is linked to your capacity to see the light of God's face. That ultimately, regardless of circumstances, regardless of the places that you find yourself, that you see his face and you see his pleasure in you. That you see his joy in you. You see his happiness in you. And it roots you and grounds you in your understanding of worthiness, identity, acceptance, and ultimately what you would feel as joy. This is like, I understand like it's kind of intense, it's serious, but it comes back to why would we take time regularly to gather to encounter God's presence? Because you need time and space to experience and see the face of God. We've all come from messed up backgrounds. No matter how perfect your family was, there are places of trauma, places of hurt, places of things, friends, family, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's all these different things that arrest development, that trauma will like short circuit, like brain circuits. You know what I'm saying? In your, in your, in your, in your head. <laughs> in your head, your, your head. It short circuits your head. Maybe I should just preach like that all morning. <laughs> Listen, y'all, you just gotta, just gotta get to see God's face. <laughs> what happens is this, and what, part of the problem, part of the problem is we, we grow up in an environment and a culture that hasn't taught people to move from these different emotions. What we do is we use the tool called avoidance. <laughs> don't feel that way. You don't need to feel that way. It's okay. You don't need to be sad. No, actually, you do need to be sad. You need to be sad, and you need to experience God's pleasure and joy in you in your place of sadness. And that's what teaches your brain how to move from that back to your core identity. No, no don't be depressed. Actually, you have a hard-wired circuit. Do you understand? You have dedicated pathways in your brain for depression, for the feelings of sadness. Shame. Do you know your brain actually is... You cannot... Like, avoid this. Your brain has dedicated pathways for the feelings of shame. And instead of teaching people to understand that God sits with you in those places of embarrassment and brokenness, 
and still finds you lovely and still finds you worthy and still sees you as a treasure and his treasure, that is what enables you to move from shame back to your core identity. And it's rooted in seeing his face. It's why the promise is there. Seek me and you'll find me. Knock and the door will be open to you. Do you understand that God has promised, if you seek me, you will find me. Why? Because he knows your maturity, your growth, your healing is linked to your ability to see him and be present with him. The whole point of the cross isn't isn't just to rescue you from damnation. It's to bring you into relationship with him so that you can see his face. All right, you guys want to look at this? Okay, you, you can flip through the verses if you want. There's a lot, okay? So I'm just saying. First one, I just want to, if you're, if, you're, if you're writing notes, in Exodus 33, right? This is the one where, you know, where Moses is like, show me your face, right? And God says, what does he say? He says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. I'm going to let my hesed pass before you. It's actually a whole other teaching we don't have time to get into this morning. But it is incredibly powerful. But in Exodus 33, it says, I speak with Moses face to face. In Numbers 12, 8, that's what that is. Exodus 33 is when he's on the mountain. Show me your face. And, and you see Moses' transformation. When he comes down from the mountain, what happens? His face is radiating the glory of God. Right? It says this in Numbers 6.22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron as his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Are you ready for this? This is like after this process and God is like giving these things to Moses. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, his face, lift up his face upon you. Again, and give you peace. And they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Like this is one of the, the great benefit, like the great like prayers that people pray. Do you understand rooted from all the way back then that God is saying, Listen, you need to, when you bless people, bless them that my face would shine upon them. Look at what's connected here. Bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His grace, his mercy, this covenant is linked into this encounter. Let us uh, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The actual like fundamental understanding that I can be in a place of security, regardless of circumstances, is connected to his face shining upon me. Sometimes we just read these verses, we just say these phrases, and you forget the, the actual connection that God is like helping you walk through. We walk around, God, give me peace. God, give me peace. Yes, you know, you know what will give you peace? Is to know his pleasure in you in those circumstances. That his, it's actually not about the alleviation of pressure or the, the settling of waves. It's the fact that you could be in a storm and know God is looking at you like, dang, kid, you're crushing it. Man, look at you. Oh, man. You understand what I'm saying? This is, this, is the, this is the relationship we're talking about. Psalm 27, verse 8 and 9. This is just a bunch of verses, okay? We're going to kind of just hit a few different things. It says this. 
When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Now listen to this. It says, do not hide your face from me and do not turn your servant away in anger. There's an actual connection there that, that David is making. When God's face turns, it's this feeling of anger. Maybe it's not purposeful, but like how many of you guys have, have done this with kids? Any parents know? Like your kid's doing something and you turn away. There's like an automatic assumption. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like kid knows. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's like that, that you feel frustrated and it's like, you're turning your face away. Why? Because maybe, or maybe you don't do this. You should, probably should. If your face is really angry, <sighs> you don't glare at your kids like that. You should probably turn your face away. But there's an actual relationship. This is, it's, it's poetry, but it actually describes something. And Job, listen to this. Job 13, 24. Why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? Why do you hide your face and the result of not seeing God's face is this assumption that, like, why do you treat me as an enemy? This is something that we struggle with a lot in relationships. There's this, this thing that happens in relationship, right? I know I'm not going to, like, unpack theology of us and all that. We're, we're different series, okay? We, Jamie crushed it. There's no reason to go through all, all of this stuff. But I just got to touch on something really quick. Is that okay? There's this thing that happens when you're in relationship with someone, that you, you come home from work, right? And my wife, let's say she's had a stressful day. I mean, freaking four kids trying to do homework and get snacks together. And I come home into that mess. Do you know what I'm saying? It's wild. Two dogs, you know, this morning, you know what I'm saying? The dog gets sick, throws up, something. You just, it's just, you never know. My point is you never know what you're walking home into. And as much as you're like, hey, babe, give me a text if it's like a hurricane, they won't. Why? Because it's a hurricane and they don't have time to text you and give you the heads up. You need to come home ready and prepared is all I'm saying. You come home into that mess, all right, and I walk in and, and Savannah just has her head down continuing to work on what she's working on. Do you know what's interesting is if I've already been struggling a little bit in that day, that hiding her face from me it actually postures us into an enemy stance. Why? Because I don't see her joy in my presence being there. I don't know, fundamentally. Now, here's the problem, is that the way that your brain works, right? You're the right hemisphere of your brain, right? This is where this joy center is located. And it fires significantly faster. I did have these numbers down, but they're not in my notes right now. It fires significantly faster than your left hemisphere. And left hemisphere is where sort of your logical thought would come in. The actual words and the expression for what you're saying, right, comes from that side. The problem is that the way that your brain fires is it hits the back right hemisphere where this is located, travels up, back, down, and around. Kind of makes these loops in your brain. The problem is that your right hemisphere has already cycled multiple times by the time your left hemisphere has a chance to put words to it. So it, when you begin to express it, it sounds and it feels like a knowing that they don't like you or that they're not happy to see you. 
But the problem isn't that you don't, you don't know that at all. It's that the nonverbal experiential side of your brain has already cycled through multiple times. And so by the time you have words, it's already assumed as true. And so I come home and what do I end up doing? I'm, I'm agitated. And I don't know why I'm agitated. I'm just agitated. I'm frustrated. Why? Because, I, man, I don't want to be a bother. I'm not a bother. I'm a freaking husband. I'm a dad. Like, this is my home. Like, this is my, why is my presence a bother? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're not excited to see me? Well, what's your deal? Freaking slaving away at work all day, come home to this chaos, and then you're not even excited to see me? And you can't even say, like, hey, babe, give me a hand. No, you just keep your head down. You just keep making snacks for the kids. Not a snack for me, mind you. I'm hungry. I forgot to pack a lunch. I didn't have any food. What kind? Do you, do you understand what ends up happening? <laughs> and it's solved. It's solved by a millisecond of engagement. It's literally, this whole situation is solved by one glance from her eyes that register in the back part of my brain before I have any time to put words to it that says, you're excited to see me. None of this matters. Nothing else in this house matters. I'm at peace. I'm at rest. Why? Because you're happy that I'm home. And, and I, I won't even be able to express it do you guys understand this? I, I wouldn't be able to, in that moment, put words to it. Why? Because it's assumed. By the time I have a chance to form words, I already know it's true. Man, God hates me. This situation is terrible. Why would you, why would you bring us out in the wilderness to die? <laughs> I thought you promised to prosper us. I thought, why, why is my business going through the tank? Why is like, oh, do you understand? Why am I sick? Why am I, is this going through my body? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And it all gets solved the moment you can see his eye. And you understand that he's not postured at you as an enemy. If, if, if someone is postured as an enemy, then what they have to say is a threat and you have to defend why, why'd you come home? Isn't, isn't an excited, like, why, why, like you're early. Like, why'd you come home so early? It, it doesn't know. It, she's an enemy right now. And that's, that's a challenge. And I must defend. And I'm going to tell you what I'm saying. I throw down. When somebody wants to get in an argument with me, I will win. All right? <laughs> if it's a threat, I have to be defensive. Do you understand? Like, do you, you get, like, the whole component of this, and it's, it's, it's all it was. Like, none of it's real. <laughs> none of it's real. She was busy. I was tired. That's it. But I know. I know. No, I don't know, actually, at all. And it also gets solved on my end. I can have confidence in our relationship. And I walk home and I say, oh, wow, she didn't, she didn't say hi. She must be busy. And I walk over and I give her a hug and I hold her and I look at her and I say, I'm so happy to be home. Do you understand that my confidence in our relationship bridges the gap for that momentary pause? 
Your confidence in your relationship with Jesus bridges the gap when your circumstances are in a world of trouble. Boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. He's, he's told you to have confidence in his promise to respond to you, to be with you, to, to intervene with you. This is why we have to take time to seek his face, why you need to take time to encounter his presence, to press through the distraction to say, God, I don't care how long it takes. I need to see your face. I need to see. I need to experience your goodness. I have to look at you. Because it actually enables you to build this sense of confidence in who he is and what he's going to do in your life, in your circumstances. Why do you hide your face and regard me as, as an enemy, right? Psalm 13.1. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Oof, that's dramatic. <laughs> how long will you forget me forever? Do you, do you, do you hear that? <laughs> I'm only going to forget you forever for a short time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, how long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 31:16. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Psalm 41:12. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Man, as for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and set me before your face forever. Psalm 80, right? There's like several verses. I just want, I wanted to read you this because it, it repeats the same phrase. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Verse 7, restore us, God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. 19, restore us, O Lord God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Do you understand, like, the, the confidence, the ability to know God is about to rescue you, to step in, is his face turning and shining on you. The expression meaning that it's his joy, his pleasure in who you are, his attention has shifted and is focused on you. And you, you, it's not just this idea, it's the fact that you can see that you experience it. That down in the depths of your brain, there's this circuit that begins to get healed and rewired. Every time you see his joy in you, every time you experience his pleasure in who you are, every time you feel that, that sense of worthiness that he sets you up as an adopted son or daughter, there's this place in your brain that gets healed and stronger and more whole. And you'll find yourself in circumstances that were terrible and you won't lose your peace. Why? Because of your confidence in the fact that his face is turned towards you. You're going to find yourself in crazy, ridiculous circumstances that would have broken you years before, and you will stand with strength. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not his feeling of happiness that is your strength. You understand that? The joy that this is referring to is the fact that his joy in me translates into strength where I'm at. I, I heard that verse as a kid. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hey, joy of the right, you guys? Just me, I sang that one. Tim did not sing that song. I did. <laughs> a lot in kids' church. Listen, 
I heard that as like, the joy of the Lord is my strength, meaning that I will be somehow injected with the expressions of joy from God, and that will make me strong. So I need to laugh more, which is not wrong. You guys, listen, a lot of us need to laugh, okay? Laughter is very healing for us, but it's not what we're talking about this morning. I, I understood this, that somehow I would be like injected with, the Holy Spirit inside of me, would, I would feel his happiness and his joy, and that somehow makes me strong. You know, that could be part of it. The joy of the Lord is the fact that he sees you and he's joyful in you. He sees you and he gets excited. He literally sees you. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Oh, dang it. Michael, look at Savannah. He gets just crazy, crazy ecstatic. And the reason why that strength for you is because it actually enables you to stand in confidence in your relationship with him and face circumstances from that posture. That his favor has been turned towards you. That his pleasure in who you are, that the, the fact that he, he looks at you and he's excited. Come on, think about your kid. If you have kids in here, or like a niece or a nephew, some of you guys go and like go to games, right? And they're about to go out there like the classic was our, for me, was our annual in school, the annual like field games. I don't even know what they call them. Field day, right? Freaking none of us raced ever. And now all of a sudden I have to run a hundred meter dash. And my, and my, my confidence in who I was in my grade is dependent on the number of where I land in this stupid race that I never raced ever before. And now all of a sudden I have to somehow get record time. You know what I'm saying? That was... That was the pressure I put on myself. And you're in line, right? And what do you do? You look over to the stands, and who are you looking for? Your parents. Why? You want to see that their face has been turned towards you. And the moment you lock eyes, what happens inside? You all of a sudden have confidence and strength. You don't have joy. You don't have happiness. It's not like you're like in line, ah, like rolling on the ground laughing. And No. All of a sudden, there is a, <laughs> I mean, maybe, Tim would. <laughs> I could just see Tim running on field day, kind of like a drunken sailor, just like, like down. It would be awesome. I just, I just want to see that. So it's field day. It's freaking 120 degrees outside, no water. This is Kenya for you. So... The point, though, is you look out, you see your parents, and what happens is, is the moment you lock eyes, all of a sudden, you have a sense of confidence for the task in front of you because you see their pleasure in you. You see their joy in you. The joy of your parents have now become your strength. And you're like in these moments in life, and instead of, well, I hope this isn't true, you haven't disciplined yourself to find the face of God. You're in difficult circumstances and you're lost with no confidence and in, in, in an ability to move forward because you can't find the face of God. And so you're stuck and you don't know how to move forward. Feelings of anxiety, depression, all of this stuff. It's in a swirl because why? You can't find the source of joy. You can't find God's face and when, the moment that you do, I'm telling you, the moment you do, his joy becomes your strength and ability to move forward in those circumstances, regardless of whether they've changed or not. 
Are you guys with me? Can I give you just a couple more verses? Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Awesome. Okay, God, I'm ready. Show me how. You're going to give me the list of rules. I have the the law, the Bible, all the stuff, right? I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding and which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. It's interesting that it's not just that the reference to a horse and a mule isn't just about correction or about guidance. It's about that they won't come near you. That puts the responsibility on us to draw near to God. The reference is that he doesn't want to have to force you to come close to him. So don't be like that. Don't be forced into a relationship with God. Don't be forced to draw near to him. Seek his face. Understand that he wants to guide you with his eye. You look up and you can see that, that, that look of like, he's like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. Oh, that's kind of a bad choice. And you're like, yeah, that's right. That is a bad choice. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Or you're like, you're stressed out like I was saying earlier. And you look up and you see his face and you know, I have what it takes. I can do this. I feel like I'm being crushed. I feel like I have like no capacity and yet I can move forward. And yet I can press through this. For some of you, that's going to look like a daily thing. Some of you are in seasons where you need to be minute by minute readjusting your place back to his face. You need to train yourself to find his face. You're in seasons where you realize, like, if I don't keep my eyes fixed on him, hope you guys are going to catch the reference, I'm going to sink in the waves. You're seeing even Peter walking on water in that moment, his ability to stand in confidence in the supernatural working of Jesus was that he was eye to eye with Jesus. The moment he shifted his eyes back to the waves, he began to sink. So don't be, I was going to say something like I was a youth pastor again. I'm getting do it. I'm getting also don't. I do want to preach here again, so maybe I won't. Don't be like a donkey, in other words, all right? Just don't be like a donkey, all right? <laughs> I really want to. Oh, religious spirit. I'm kidding. God's breaking mine. That's right. That's right. I'm drawing near God. I don't need a bit and bridle. Jesus. Okay. Psalm 119, 135. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Even this, like, like I don't want to learn about it aside from seeing your face, your capacity to really, truly understand this, 
Do you understand Like your ability to understand the word of God, the depth of what he's saying is linked to your ability to see his face. If you read the word of God outside of knowing his joy in you and knowing his pleasure in you, knowing your sense of worthiness, knowing the spirit of adoption overrides circumstances and situations, if you study the word outside of that, you will miss the heart of God throughout the Bible. You will see a God that is not there. And you will build a relationship on performance and legalism and fear that is not intended to be there. God, show me your face so that I can understand your statutes. Oh, my goodness. Your statutes. All right. We have one last verse. I'm doing good. It's 1135. We end at 1230 here, right? (laughs) Don't be a donkey, Dustin. (laughs) All right? (laughs) You know, it's it's really fascinating when when we talk about this this face-to-face encounter with God, this this component of learning his statutes. Show me your face and teach me your statutes. You know, we have this we have this thing in our in our in our body, technically, really, throughout throughout our whole body, but in our brain called mirror neurons. How many of you guys know what mirror neurons are? Some of you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> Choice like it's you're, you're talking my language. Mirror neurons are, are absolutely powerful because what, what happens is, is when you watch something being done, right? Whether you're watching a YouTube video or you're watching an instructor in class or you're learning a new skill and you're seeing how someone does it, right? Your brain fires the same pathway as if you were doing the, those motions, did you know that? Then it doesn't just happen from what you look at. It also happens from what you imagine. All of us are like, oh, crud, what have I been imagining? <laughs> what happens is your body will actually fire the, the pathway through those mirror neurons as if you were completing those same actions. And the more that you think about it, the more that you watch it, the easier those actions actually become because you're not having to build the neural pathway. You just have to build the muscle strength and coordination in that same way. They did this really, really crazy uh, study. I probably referenced it in here because I love it. It's one of my favorite. Just, just, it is just mind-blowing. They took two powerlifting teams. And they, they took one, and uh, they're, they're tracking their lifts. They're tracking everything. So it's like a very controlled study. And they took one, and they just had them, um, before they go to bed, they would practice imagining going through their lifts. Okay? And there's two different styles. One, you, you go through at normal speed in your head. Like you just imagine that you're just doing the lift. Okay? They'd add weight to it, and they'd practice in their mind, bend over, you know, whatever the Olympic lifts were that they were using. And then there's another way that you do it is where you slow the motion down and you imagine every little piece of like form and posture and muscle that has to fire as you're doing the, the, the task. Okay, so they, they, they did the study. They tracked it. The, the group that was imagining doing extra work began to, their list began to excel the group, that, the control group. And it was like, it, in, in, at the end, the conclusion of the study, it was like 10 to 20% higher in terms of their lifts. Everything else the same. Just through activating mirror neurons. 
That's crazy, you guys. Think about it. 20%, 10 to 20% is a lot of weight. When you're lifting 500 pounds, do you understand what 20% is in that? That's an extra 100 pounds. We're not talking like they lifted five more pounds, like it was a good day and they had an extra hamburger at lunch. Like this is a significant physiological change in response to their imagination. What are you choosing to dwell on? What are you allowing to, to, to occupy the most of your imagination and time and what you're dwelling on? The reason why seeing God's face is so important is because when you see him, you begin to see the way he moves, you're activating those same mirror neurons, those same responses. Do you understand healthy choices become easier the more you think about healthy choices? Responding in kindness is easier the more I look at God's kindness, I see his response to me, it actually empowers and makes it easier for me to do the same to someone else. This is like a, a, a really important thing. And this is, this is where we're going to end. I don't, know if, I don't know who comes up at the end. I'm, it's been so long since I've been here. Someone. Someone is coming soon. <laughs> it, it did feel very ambiguous. This is purely my fault, you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's like I don't preach every Sunday or something. Which I do. It's like... A, Oh my gosh. I actually, I enjoy just being myself up here. I could be very polished if I wanted to, but I feel like it's just very disingenuous. So to be real, if you're like wondering if I actually feel nervous up here, I don't actually at all feel nervous. I'm not, like I really don't. Um, I, I love the humor of just being myself and everyone being able to be themselves. Zephaniah 3.17, some of you guys know this verse. The Lord your God is, in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is just like such a powerful understanding that you could live your whole life and never actually understand God's response to you. It's not just to make you feel better about your life. Do you understand that this isn't just to make you feel like less sad because you live in Maine or something? You know what I mean? Like, I'm very happy to be living in Maine. I'm just saying. Some people don't like the winners here. I love them. So, do you understand? Like, the, the point is that you actually understand that when God looks at you, the, the word here, rejoice, it means to spin wildly like a madman. That God looks at you and he jumps off his throne. He refuses any sense of, of like polishness that he just casts it all out, jumps down, spins around, and grabs you in unfettered, unrestrained, joyful, crazy expressions of love and excitement to be with you. And if your relationship with God feels anything less than that, you have some work to do. Because you need, you need to experience God at this level. You need to know. It needs to be something inside of you where you are convinced of God's pleasure in you, his joy in you, his excitement in you, that his face has turned back to you and is focused on you. That he has not turned his face away. That you're not God's enemy. 
you're not postured at a distance, but that he has chosen to posture himself. The creator of the universe has chosen to posture himself to you. And he's, he's saying, just look, let's just like seek me. All you got to do is turn around and see me. Don't be a donkey, okay? Choose to turn towards him. And in that moment, there's this thing that begins to happen. And all of a sudden, the peace that you're longing for, the joy, the strength, the anchoring of your life, the maturity that you are longing for, the, 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 the addictions that you've been crying out for to be healed from, the, the, the bondages of attitudes and, and mindsets. Do you understand that psychologically I can show you it's rooted in this exchange that you understand his joy in you fundamentally? And you can mess up and you can turn back and come right back into who you truly are. Because those mess-ups aren't who you are. Those places of shame and depression, that's not who you are. That is a short-circuited place of your brain that God wants to heal to bring you back into your identity as a son, as a daughter. You're not called to live a life of depression. You're not called to live in a place of brokenness. This is not a thorn in your side, the thorn in the flesh. That's not what Paul's referring to. Do you understand? You, the, 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 the word over you is not lifelong anxiety or lifelong addiction or lifelong depression. God's promise over you is maturity. His promise over you is his banner is love. It's this covenant that he's made with you. Come on, why don't you guys stand with me?